everyone, and welcome to Oya's podcast. Today, we sit down with Dasha Maximov. Dasha is a self-described biohacker. A biohacker is just a person who gets the most high-quality data on their own body and experiments with different solutions of their nutrition, exercise, and lifestyle. We sit down with Dasha because this community, the reason I really love the biohacking community is because they all have personal, valid experience. They're not just theoretical framework. For example, Dasha studied, got her master's in neuroscience at the University College of London. So it's theoretical framework and the latest science on top of personal experimentation. Experimentation is the only way to move any field forward. So in this discussion, we talk about what kind of technologies are available to get this high quality data, the approaches one can take, and the mindset one needs to have in order to go into biohacking. Also, we discuss the different approaches based on if you're a man or a woman. There are different ways of doing it. Most know a bunch of men in the biohacking community. So Dasha here speaks about how their approach is different than what women should take. Uh, We're very happy to sit down with her and get her insight into not only how you parse through this data that you get from biohacking tech, but how you apply it to your lifestyle as well. Not forgetting that lifestyle is just as important as nutrition and exercise. All right, everyone. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Dasha Maximoff. Hello, Dasha. Ciao. Ciao. So I'm here today with you to discuss biohacking. Dun, dun, dun. It is a very, it is a loaded word. Um, you were telling me offline uh, before that some people associate it with like hacking off bits of you. Um, and then other people associate it because it has the term hacking, which is normally used computers um, to becoming a cyborg. Mm. So those are the two visual images that people pop up in their head when they hear that word. I want to clarify the computer thing because the definition of hacking is just access to an unauthorized access to a system. It could be a computer. Um, And the the fact that you have unauthorized access, because normally doctors were the gatekeepers Mm. of the data on your body before. And now we have the access with new techniques coming out. So um, I just kind of wanted to talk about all of the, Ooh, really scary monsters in the room around the term, and then what biohacking uh, normally is. Sure, nice segue. I like I like the start of this already. It's gonna be a good good conversation. Uh, yeah, so biohacking, I I love love and loathe the term because exactly what you said. A lot of people will ask me, "Is it legal? Can I do this?" And the answer is yes. Um, biohacking as an industry has been around for a while. The term was coined by a Silicon Valley individual, Dave Asprey, hence why the term is so techy, right? But when we're thinking about biohacking, I like to simplify it down and it's effectively, how do you make yourself feel good in your health? And that could be that you are taking certain supplements, could be that you're changing your environment, could be that you're adding a different habit in, like adding in cold plunges or putting ice on your face in the morning. All of those things are biohacking if you are tracking 
how you feel as well. So that's where the technology and the wearables and the data component comes in, right? So when people say, oh, well, it's, it's, it's all about technology and all about putting chips into my body, erroneous, it's not. It's about how do you, as an N of one, going back to our days of statistics, how do you, as an N of one, make yourself feel better and feel like you have more energy, more vitality, live longer, right? You, you feel better, you feel healthier, because ultimately, when we feel healthier, then we can focus on all the other things that we want to do in this life. Anybody who is, doesn't have health, they're complaining about the thing that is giving them, making them feel poor during the day, right? So biohacking, also known as personalized wellness, also known as health optimization, all of those things are, in my opinion, one and the same. Cool. So a couple of questions arise there and one, one thought around it. Um, I know for years you read like these nutrition journals, for example, uh, and then you read one cover and it goes, coffee is bad for you. Blah, 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 blah. This shouldn't take that. Blah, blah, blah. And then you like next week you pick up another one. Coffee is really good for you. Blah, 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 blah. And if you were to deep dive into them, it's just like different sample sizes, different individuals react differently to different things. So you're just, but you know, the normal average person on the streets getting all this conflicting information. Mm. And it's like, well, is it good or is it bad? Well, like white rice spikes your glucose. For some people, yes. For some people, no. <laughs> like, Precisely. Like, um, and that's, I think that's the beauty of having your own personalized data uh, is you can make something that is, you know, perfect for you. So the qu question I have is what data, like what tech is out there and what data do we have access to? And then what are we still missing out on um, that we would need to go see uh, somebody for to get more clarity? Mm -hmm. uh, I'll touch on that, but just beforehand, what you just said is completely the challenge and the beauty of where we stand today. Because right now in the, in the biohacking world, in the health world, you can, exactly we said, you can Google or you can WebMD, is a carnivore diet good for me? And you'll have a whole bunch of people saying yes and a whole bunch of people saying no. You'll have the vegans fighting the carnivores, fighting the keto, fighting the paleo, fighting, you know, everybody is, it's like these, fief, these fiefdom wars against each other, when in reality, we should all be united against the idea that we should be, just be taking a whole bunch of supplements and pills provided by the pharmaceutical industry. But that's another conversation for another time. Uh, I think that where we stand today with wearables, with technology, with you having your own personalized information to make choices for you is, is so beautiful because now you truly can be your own doctor to, to, you know, with that data. So typically when people are starting in this biohacking world, that is the first thing we, we recommend to them. Te the, the idea of test, assess, address, don't guess. And that's a phrase coined by my mentor, Dr. Naisha Winters, who, who is saying, if you don't test it, you can't address it, you can't assess it, and you can't do something about it, right? If you don't have the data to say, yes, my, my blood count, my, my blood platelets are low, right? Um, then you don't know what to actually do. So you don't know whether to follow the influencer who is telling you, do this or do this, because you have no idea, right? So anytime we're talking about biohacking, yes, you're gonna spend some money in the beginning, probably, to get that baseline test. Because from that baseline test, then I can 
I can actually do something about it. So the typical test that people will do uh, to get that baseline is, is a CBC, which is a complete blood count, a metabolic health panel, which is looking at your lipids, it's looking at the fats in your body, it's looking to see whether things are kind of, your, your liver is working well, right? Then we can start looking into bigger things or more, more targeted things. For women in particular, I want to see a thyroid panel and I want to see a hormone panel. Now with a thyroid panel, that one, one caveat here is that most doctors will look at only three out of nine components of the thyroid. So your thyroid is this beautiful little gland, um, kind of like a butterfly shaped uh, in the close to your throat. And, uh, and it regulates your body's temperature. It regulates, if your thyroid's off, everything else is off, right? So imagine you're sitting, the metaphor is you're sitting in a room and you can't regulate the AC or the, or the, or the heat in your room. Right. So then all of a sudden, if you can't regulate that, which is what the thyroid does, then all of a sudden you're forced to put on a blanket, take off clothes, do, do whatever it is to counteract the fact that you cannot control your own body's temperature. Right. So a lot of people are having thyroid problems now. And when you go to a doctor, going back to the, to the topic of, of labs, for example, when you have a when you go to a doctor, they'll take a TSH, T3 and T4. Those are three tests of the thyroid when I really need to know eight of the eight total pieces of information to really evaluate what's going on with the thyroid. So when you're asking for a thyroid panel, make sure that you're asking for a comprehensive thyroid panel, which is going to include those three plus TSH, T3, T4, reverse T3, reverse T4, TBG, TPO, right? You really want to look at everything to, to get an understanding. And then lastly, the lab, another lab for women in particular is a hormone panel. So a hormone panel, that is something you want to do fairly frequently. All of these things you want to do fairly frequently because once you have a baseline, then you can actually see, oh, wow, you know, the past two years have been very stressful. And therefore, I see a change in my, in my tests and I can then start doing something about it. So a hormone test, you want to look at a Dutch hormone test, D-U-T-C-H because a blood hormone test is not going to be good enough. So a Dutch test is a dried urine test that you can get sent to your home and it'll look at all the metabolic pathways about, about what's going on in your hormones. And hormones are like Goldilocks, can't be too much, can't be too little, they kind of gotta just be right. And then in terms of, and I'll pause after this, but in terms of things that we can be doing at home, right? Um, so those are the tests or some of the tests that you can be doing with the doctor's office, at the doctor's office. At home, you can be doing a whole lot of stuff as well in between those tests. So a continuous glucose monitor is something I'm putting onto every single client right now because it's just so cool to see it, frankly. <laughs> um, a glucose, so glucose levels are important because so many people nowadays have diabetes or are pre-diabetic. If your glucose levels skyrocket, then your body needs to pump out insulin. If we're constantly pumping out insulin, then over time, that is what causes us to become insulin sensitive and we then can't pump that out, which causes us to get diabetes, right, on a very high level. So if we know what are the foods that are skyrocketing our glucose levels, then we can actually do something about it. So a continuous glucose monitor will give you a two-week time frame to have a monitor in your arm or in the muscle of your arm 
to see constantly, hence the continuous, constantly, what are your glucose levels? So in my case, I really like seeing it because, again, like what you had mentioned before, some people are like, oh, you can't have rice because it's going to skyrocket your glucose. Or you can't have a banana, like the keto world. You can't have a banana because it's going to skyrocket your glucose. Well, I'm now living in the Dominican Republic. My eating of a banana up in Boston was very different than my eating of a banana down here in the Dominican Republic. And the only way I could tell that was with having that continuous glucose monitor. And so when we think about foods, yes, that's a huge component of nutrition or of, of health, but nutrition is not the only element. Our epigenetics, our environment is going to be dictating also whether these foods are good for us, not good for us, whether it's skyrocketing our glucose levels, whether it's not. And in my case, the banana that I ate down here, perfectly fine. It, it bumped up a little bit, surely, but it was not the skyrocketing that I had up in Boston. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, Americans just like take sugar and inject it into every food stuff that they have in the market. Um, I was also curious, I was talking to another a gentleman on the podcast who does aquaponics. And he was talking about um, in the U.S. how food, how vegetables are chosen for their aesthetics, how they look on the shelf, and so like some of the most nu nutrient full, like these plants that have had to struggle through things and they look kind of homely, uh, they don't make the cut. So you're getting like the least nutritious vegetables um, when you go and buy them at the market, and so that's why he was advocating growing your own at the home in the U.S. Um, so even base things like that that people don't even assume they're like, oh, I'm eating, you know, what's the saying? The most nutritious thing for you at the market is the thing that doesn't have the nutrient labels, right? Right, and uh, and so they just assume, oh, I go pick this up. This is I'm eating good. I'm eating healthy, and I'm getting everything I need. Right, right. The yeah. spinach. The, there's some. I don't remember the number. I wish I did. But the spinach that we're eating today versus the spinach that Popeye had vastly different, <laughs> right? And yeah. I mean, our our. Our soil is bastardized. Our our water is, is horrible. Our I mean, everything that we're eating today, unfortunately, is just not as nutrient dense as it was when our grandparents were our grandparents, great grandparents were alive. So we're we're in a place where not only do we have poor soil, poor poor nutrients, and now on top of all that, we've got poor oils that are infused into everything, sugar or high fructose corn syrup, which is infused into everything. And, and because of a lot of the ways that we've been bred, kind of grow, grew up, we have a lot of allergies too. So it's, you know, there's so many different things when we think about, about health, it's not just this one thing. And, and, and I think with biohacking, that's what's really cool too, right? When you start into this biohacking world, a lot of people will start with one ailment or they'll come to me and say, oh, you know, Dash, I just got my, my thyroid panels back and I noticed this, what do I do? Right. Or I'm, I just had, um, you know, I, I've just had my kids and now all of a sudden I, they're, they're off to school and I've realized just how much I've changed in the past five years and I don't have energy. I don't have libido. What do I do? Right. So it's, there's, there's always a reason that you're coming into this biohacking space. And then what people typically t tend to find is that you, come at it for one reason and then the more that you dig the more that you dig the more that you dig you end up getting to all components of health right so you may start off saying okay i um you know i, I came because of this lab result or i came because let's go with an example of i can't sleep all right let's go with that 
That's a simple one and one that many people have. Either they're falling asleep, not falling asleep fast enough or too fast. They're not getting enough rest throughout the night. They wake up in the morning and they're still exhausted until that cup of coffee, right? That is something that many, many, many people have. Now, is that because of your environment, of your habits before you go to sleep, of your habits the morning beforehand, because of a thyroid problem, because of a, you know, there's so many different reasons that could be causing you to have that poor sleep. And once you get into the biohacking space, you pull on one string and you start unraveling others and others and others and others. So in this case, you could be starting with, okay, I'm not sleeping well. All right, well, I'm going to get a wearable. I'm going to get an aura ring and I'll start tracking my sleep. Then all of a sudden, because you have that data, you can start saying, okay, wow, I notice that when I drink the night before or when I have a really have that, that extra bite of dessert, wow, my sleep, yes, I, I fall asleep really quickly, right, because it's a downer, but in the middle of the night, I have these micro wake-ups, right? Or maybe I start adding a magnesium supplement the night before or taking kava or things like that, those adaptogens and things like that, that can then cause you to have better sleep. And then perhaps that leads you into the world of saying, oh, wow, I realize that my environment is important to my sleep and it's my light. And could it be, wait, do I have mold in my house? Right. So, so it becomes this, you know, I like the biohacking space and this personalized health space because what I find is that it attracts people who are curious and these, these people who are kind of explorers of their own health because they start pulling on one thing and then all of a sudden you start unpeeling the layers of, wow, I didn't know about that. I didn't know about that. I didn't know about that. And it's, it's quite amazing to see how all of these little tiny things add up and could really be affecting your health and, and even how you go throughout the day, how you perceive life. Do you, what you were saying there reminded me of, um, you know, once you pull a thread and you start going down this path, it's really easy to become obsessed and to, um, you know, uh, you know, those people who they say read WebMD and they all think they have cancer. <laughs> yeah. uh, like <laughs> everybody's like, cause always, it's always on there as an option. Right. Sure. Um, so it's one of those things where I think that, uh, I was wondering if you, is there any background people would have as they take this journey, if they really want to go deep on it, because you can just, it's a huge puzzle. It's, it's your, your body is endlessly complex and there's multiple mm -hmm. angles you can look at this from. Um, how do you like people can develop paranoia about certain <laughs> things? Well, yeah. I haven't checked this and I didn't check that angle. Did I look at it from this? I didn't get that ninth test on the thyroid. Sure. Well, maybe it's like, you know, um, some people are naturally neuro more neurotic than others, right? Um, and like those people who find cancer everywhere or hypochondriacs or whatever. Uh, how do you help people that who are more coming at it from the neurotic angle into this world who think like, the more data I have, the better it's going to be. And then I'm going to, I'm going to be fine. Everything's going to be great. And blah, blah, blah. How do you, have you encountered those people at all? And how do you approach that? Uh, once a week, I encounter that. Yeah. Yeah, I figured. <laughs> um, yeah, that's very, very, very common. And and it's, it, I mean, it, it makes sense, right? Like you're just getting into this world and all of a sudden, oh my God, yeah, every, you know, I, I found a pimple on my arm. What does that mean? You know? Um, yeah, it's common. It's very common. I think the, the, the question becomes to me, one, you start where your problem is. 
first, right? So if it's sleep, you start with sleep. And like I just said, it's a thread. So you're gonna get, trust me, trust me, you're gonna get to all the other elements, <laughs> right? Um, and so you start where, where your pain point is. The, the key in terms of the neuroticism is to, in my opinion, have a light attitude about this because the neuroticism and the, and the heaviness comes, in my opinion, when you're fearful, right? And a lot of people who are not in the biohacking space will ask me, well, I don't want to do the test because what if I find something? Damn straight. That's what we want to do the test because we want to find something ahead of time before it gets worse, right? So that's a good thing. So in reality, it's, it's the people who are really fearful of finding something that end up not becoming biohackers. It's the people who have a light attitude about this of, hey, yeah, if I find something, my body's resilient, my body's adaptable, I'm gonna sort it out, I'm gonna fix it, right? And, and so from, in my case, for example, I had had a, a number of brain injuries and after the, after the last one, I started pounding fish oil. I was eating fish all the time because I was like, well, you know, my brain needs this and, and more is better, right? And lo and behold, what ended up happening, I ended up having heightened levels of mercury in my lab tests. Okay, awesome, great, right? Now what? <laughs> like, and, and that's it, like the body is this beautiful mechanism where everything is connected. And so, so in my case, yes, one of, you know, an individual had, had seen that and, and that person, uh, was was like, oh my gosh, this is awful. This is horrible. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Then I went and I talked to another doctor friend of mine. He's like, yeah, that's a little heightened. You can do something about it. Not a big deal. Cut out the fish for a couple of months. You know, let's be a little bit more cautious. So it's having an approach of one, you're going to die from something at some point, <laughs> right? Um, two, you know, the body is so beautifully adaptable that as long as we start to remove the major things that are giving us toxins, right? And, and kind of turn off the spigot that's causing a lot of this problem, chances are the body can actually rebalance pretty well, right? Especially once you start having good habits. So, you know, is it something where you're gonna continue eating the ho-hos and not working out and still think that you're gonna live to, you know, in the longevity space to live to 100? Yeah, probably not, right? Um, if you want to be on this journey, then, then you are going to start in, improving your habits and, and having that fun attitude of, yeah, I can do something about that. Yeah. One of the things you mentioned there, the people who have a real fear, um, they don't get involved in the space. Uh, and what I find interesting, so like basically like psychology 101, when you go in, the most treated things in uh, any psychologist treats for is depression and anxiety. Those are easily the top two. Uh, everybody comes in with one of those. And the interesting thing is one, a, a good psychologist, they'll, they'll first ask you about your routine, your mm -hmm. diet, your exercise, your sleep. Mm -hmm. Are those on track? Mm -hmm. Because you might not actually have an issue. You just might, your health might be out of whack and you might not be on a routine. And so people come in with all of this anxiety, <laughs> they need to fix this part and they're caught in this, uh, but I, oh, that, that opens up more anxiety. It's like, yeah, but you need to fix, like you said, your sleep pattern right? and you need to, you need to adjust these things and you need information to do that properly. And then you might actually be a little bit less anxious. Yeah. So it's, and, it's interesting. Yeah. And yeah. most of the time, what I find is 
with folks like that, they need to do less instead of doing more, right? They need, they ultimately need to do less of the supplements, less of like, they just need to do more working out, more moving, more connecting with, with people who actually make them feel good, right? They need to, so if you're thinking about your dopamine receptors, they need to reset that. They need to get away from the computer, get away from the Facebook, the Instagram, the constant ding, 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 right? They need to set their emails such that they're not getting pinged all the time. They need to set it such that they only are checking their emails twice a day maybe, right? There's things that, I mean, scientifically we know there are things from a depression and anxiety standpoint that we can do. And we've known about these. I mean, Dr. Carrie Jones, she just recently posted something the other day about how we, the, the, the depression studies that were done 20 years ago are proving what all of us know now. If you move a lot, if you sweat, then you're probably not gonna be that depressed, <laughs> right? And it's so simple, and yet we're spending so much money on, on trying to find these massive changes, you know, massive um, kind of quick silver bullets, when in reality, 99% of this stuff is lifestyle habits and lifestyle mm -hmm. changes that you mm -hmm. can actually do something about. Yeah, sure, have you had, have you, if, if somebody from a depression and anxiety standpoint, the mental health is huge right now, especially after the past two years, right? So if there has been a big trauma, like capital T trauma, um, or a bunch of micro traumas, then yes, maybe you need a reset. And maybe that's where psychedelics can play in. And maybe that's where a reset of your brain can help, right? But what I find a lot of times, and we were talking about this offline before, is that people want to jump to the big things before they've got the little things under control. They want to jump to stem cells and peptides and, you know, spending a lot of money <laughs> when just let's get some of the basic habits down, which yeah. are free. Many of them are free. Yeah. The touch on that for the depression thing. I mean, there was a societal trauma with the, the reaction to this pandemic and the pandemic itself and the reaction to it on a public policy level and everything. But um, I always tell people like depression, you know, people are depressed. They have these like suicidal thoughts and these, and these things like this. And I say, yeah, the instinct is correct the interpretation of it is wrong. Mm -hmm. So you're what, cause you right now, first you're depressed because your relationship or your orientation to your environment or to others or to yourself is off. Mm -hmm. That relationship needs to die mm -hmm. and you need to kill it and replace it with something that's better. Now you misinterpret that by saying I need to die. <laughs> but what mm -hmm. happens is the, you know, that whole connection, that particular thing, what it is, is needs to die. It needs to be reformed into something else. Um, and so part of that is that's why when people get their health back on track and reorient towards how they feel inside their own body and like you said, lifestyle, connecting with others, that feeling goes away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and what you just mentioned yeah. about about the environment, I mean, it's a simple metaphor. When you look at a fish tank and the fish tank has gotten dirty, do you check out the fish? No, you don't chuck out the fish, you clean the environment, right? You clean the tank so that the fish can actually do well. Otherwise the fish will die, right? Yeah. And so if we're thinking about our environment, our environment right now is a thing that's toxic. And our environment is a thing that's making us unhealthy. Our environment is a thing that's, that's causing people to, to just wanna stay inside and do nothing. Because our environment, and I, when I mean our environment, I mean it 
holistically everything i mean mm. i mean the thoughts that you have from the thoughts that you have to the food that you're putting in to the people around you and i mean people around you both in a romantic relationship in a work relationship in friendships right are these people who you walk away from and you feel joyful and and inspired and happy to be around or is like oh god i don't I, you know i don't want to go see them right and so many people are thinking that oh just because they're i've been with them for so long or they're part of my family they're my blood that means that that is okay and that you have to maintain that toxicity and, and be okay with it toxic relationships are were as as bad if not worse i would argue worse than toxic foods that you're putting into your body Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Even that continu continuous glucose monitor. Do do a test. This is a fun one, actually. Do a test where you have a, gl a glucose monitor in, and see how it spikes when you have a an argument. That thing will skyrocket, right? And people think that it's just about glucose and the foods and the sugars that you're putting into your body. Nope. It's measuring how much glucose is in your blood. Which, when you're running away from a tiger, right? When you're in fight or flight, when you're stressed out your body is throwing glucose into your bloodstream so you can so it can make your muscles move so you could run faster and so if you're constantly having these chronic stressors of a toxic relationship or a boss or whatever it is and they're constantly chronically stressing you out right yeah. what what is that what does that look like for your health um, we talked about this before offline as well. Um, Dr. Andrew Huberman, whose podcast I highly recommend for anybody out there, uh, he says the one thing he wishes he could accomplish in one of the things he wishes he accomplished in his life is to teach people how to better control their autonomic nervous system. And they think that's one of the next steps um, for health and moving people forward on a neurological level. Do you have any thoughts around that? Thousand percent agree with him. Thousand percent. Everything that I see nowadays, and so we run these, so Wealthco is the company that I run, um, which focuses on women's biohacking. Um, and we run these retreats down here in Dominican Republic. That's one of the things we do. And every single woman who I see who has come down here, they come here for, for information about biohacking. And what I realize is that they come, they, what they leave here from with is love for not being stressed. Right. And love for realizing, oh, wow. Yeah, everything's great about the supplements. But if I'm constantly stressed and I don't know how to regulate that stress, then it's only going to get then, then, then none of the supplements I'm taking are really going to work. So when the last retreat we did, we called it longevity and resilience. And the reason is because so many people now want to talk about longevity, longevity, longevity. And reality, if you do not know how to be resilient, there's no way in hell that you're going to get to longevity. And so from for your question of, you know, the autonomic nervous system, that is us learning how to be resilient. That is us learning how to manage stress because it's always going to be there. Stress will always be there. And if we don't know how to not let it stick to us, then we're in trouble. Right. And so people are always saying, okay, well, what's the next stress hack or what's the, what's the thing I can take? And, and the thing that you can take is you can take some control of your breath. So simple, right? Either Andrew Huberman talks about it. There's, there's a breath technique that he uses with all of you know, anybody who comes into his Stanford clinic, you know, any of the, the sports guys, where it's uh, an inhale through the nose, another inhale through the nose, and then an exhale through the mouth. 
right? So you're sipping in. And doing that five times, do that before a stressful meeting. Do that when you're in a stressful argument, right? It'll calm your nervous system down. It'll tell your nervous system, hey, you're not running away from a tiger. Hey, you are safe. And what I see with a lot of these women, to, to just go back on that, is that a lot of women have health issues, men too. But when we start digging after working with them for three months, five months, finally we'll get to the root cause, usually, which is that you don't feel safe. So it has nothing to do with, oh, you know, I'm not eating the right food. Like you've done the genetics test. You're not eating the gluten. You're doing all that right, right? Um, but you don't feel safe. And because you don't feel safe, then you're constantly stressed, right? What, what was the deal with the pandemic? One of, one of the deals is that everybody was so stressed because they didn't feel safe, because they, didn't, they couldn't control anything, because they were fearful, right? And so what, what Andrew talks about and, and so many others is that how do you realize that you're always safe? How do you make yourself always feel safe? Because if you can do that, and then, then no stress is going to stick to you. And then there won't be this chronic stress. There won't be chronic health conditions. Yeah. I think it, it definitely goes to a, a mindset for approach. Um, like you were saying earlier, people want to come in. They're like, give me the peptides. Give me the stem cell. Give me this. Give me that. And they kind of see, they kind of see biohacking as, ooh, this is upgraded stuff. Oh, the, the magic elixir is finally here. That's it. Yes, they finally invented it. I've been looking for this forever. I've investigated communities all around the world looking for this magic elixir and this fountain of youth. I mean, the myth goes back, you know, tale as old as time, as I say. And they're coming in. It's like, no, you have to put in the work. You have to change your lifestyle. You have to investigate every single part of this. It's it's a complex machine. Um, and you also have to track it over time. There's, you know, people evolve. There's no final solution here. I think the person who used final solution, I can't remember who that was, but uh, yeah. Um, so there's, there's no, you can't, there's not a solution in the back. There is, it's a, you're a working machine. You're constantly evolving and you need to have that kind of mindset, not the magic elixir. Um, and like you mentioned a bunch of times, lifestyle is important. Yeah. And it's, it's the, the things that work are usually the things that take some effort and they take some time, right? They take, they, it, it's not the quick pill and everybody knows this and yet nobody does it. <laughs> you know, it's it, every single thing about health is the 1% improvements every single day. What is 1% you can be doing better, right? Before a meeting, you're sitting there, you're waiting for everybody to join don't talk about the weather nobody cares about the weather put your your thing on your your video on mute and go do some breath work nobody's gonna be the wiser and you're gonna be less stressed right what is one percent little tiny 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 improvements which compounded they're gonna make a big difference right and so i think that when people are like okay well I'll give me the peptide or give me this or give me this they're if you're adding that to a reg a, a regimen where you're already on you know, on track with your habits, with good habits, yes, it will skyrocket you. Yes, BPC-157 is incredible, absolutely incredible, if you don't have constant other toxins that are going to get put into your body, right? 
for me, for example, the biohacking world was, and the reason that I'm in it is because it was a game changer, completely changed my life, right? After having the, the brain injuries, I needed hyperbaric oxygen. And that is a very common biohacking tool. And that is not a tool that anybody outside the space is really going to know about, unless you're a doctor, maybe, right? So the biohacking space is incredible and can change your life with the, these tools and technology. But I think the thing that I just want to impart to people is get the basics down right first. Then all these other things will, will compound as well. So if your sleep is down, the supplements that you're going to be taking are going to do better, right? If you're feeling in community, then all of the supplements are going to do better. Um, James Maskell talks about loneliness being the number one kind of killer for people right now. They've shown studies that if you are lonely, pharmaceutical drugs will not work as well, right? So get your sleep down, get, get community down, get an understanding of who you are down. Now that is a, is a, is a big task, right? And that's a big, that's a big ask. But if you, can, if you can hack into, wait, why am I doing this? Why do I want to live till, till 100? What is my purpose here? Am I living to 100 just because I want to keep up with the Joneses? Or am I living to 100 because I want to see my great-grandkids run around and I want to have energy to pick them up, right? And I'm curious about learning about so many different things in this life because this life is so rich. And I, and I want to have that time. I want to have that time where my brain is active, where I don't have dementia, I don't have Alzheimer's, I don't look like you know, the grandmothers of old, I look like, you know, I'm in my 60s, I'm in my 70s, and I look young and fit and awesome. I'm having sex, right? I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying dancing. I'm enjoying, you know, being out there in the world, rather than unfortunately being crippled by diseases, which many of these, dise these diseases are diseases of, of access. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there was, um, is the idea of focusing on your biological age over your chronological age, right? Mm -hmm. Dr. David Sinclair talks about, uh, I, I always like that. And, you know, I want to be there in the future when my grandchild turns into a cyborg and marries a hologram of a dog fetus and I have to disown <laughs> him or something like that. So, no. you, know, <laughs> like, you know, to be, yeah, that's not music, you know, stuff like that, at, you know, at the next generations. So it, it's, yeah, it's really about living a quality of life as you get older. And um, there's a joke in the, uh, in the longevity circle of, I think comes from Dr. Aubrey de Grey, who was one of the pioneers in this space, um, who looks like an ancient father time figure, which I think is hilarious. Um, I think he does it on purpose. I think so. uh, and if, if, if he cut his hair, he would look a lot younger. Oh, a hundred percent. 100%. I mean, he's still, what, he's in his 50s or something like that, but yeah. 60s. But yeah, the, the, the beard is amazing. Yeah. Uh, but there's a, his joke was he called it longevity escape philosophy, velocity, something like that. Mm. So it's this, again, this mindset of like eternal youth and, you know, like I'm going to live forever. Um, and even these blue zone communities, which you mentioned earlier, they live, what, on average, like in their 90s, 100s, mm -hmm. right? Nobody's living to like 150. Right. 170 right. yet as right. the longevity community would say yet right. um but i kind of want to talk about that those blue zone communities in the sense of like their lifestyle thing you mentioned you touched on a lot of them already uh community 
um, the kind of people you surround yourself with. Uh, what they talk about in the Blue Zones is shared values. Mm. That comes from having a shared culture, mm. uh, generally, because there's there's small, older communities like the Sardinians or the Nikoyans in Costa Rica or the Okinawans in Japan. Um, and then a lot of them have their own kind of mean in life that they, like you said, the loneliness is, doesn't get to them. Their life is meaningful, mm. not meaning purpose, but meaningful, mm. meaning, meaning that um, you, if you were dead and gone, the thing that you have, you would want to exist without you, mm. Mm. right? You mm. love something more outside of yourself than you do yourself. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. causes meaning in life, yeah. right? So um, it's all these kind of things and cultivating these. And obviously these are older communities, which are more religious based practices. And I know I'm living in a country right now in the U S where, you know, most people are identify as nuns, um, not N U N, but N O N E S S. Uh, so <laughs> everybody's just kind of like, ah, oh, whatever. Um, but there are practices out there and people can find things and be part of community still. Um, so yeah, I, I just, do you have any more comments on the lifestyle aspect, anything that people are missing or what you've seen work, especially maybe uh, women in your groups? So, so with the, with the blue zones and with the communities, I, I see that I see such a stark difference here now that I've moved down to the Dominican Republic. And so I spend half my time in the States, half my time here. And what I notice in this community here is what I perceive is in these blue zones as well, which is that time seems to stand still. And for us Westerners who are like, okay, well, you know, I've got this thing starting at nine and from nine to 10, I have this. And then from 10 to 11, I have this. And then from 11 to 12, I have this, right? We are so scheduled and so program, pro, programatized to systematized in this way, because we feel like we have to shift and, and shove so much into one day, right? And so by doing so, we think that we're getting a lot done and probably we are, probably we are. Uh, but then that doesn't leave room for magic. It doesn't leave room for the mystery and the extra connections that, and this is where, you know, there's the, the woo-woo element of it, of the universe giving you whatever it needs to be giving you, right? And and it's and it's interesting to see for me from the perspective that of being in the States versus being here and seeing, you know, seeing the biohacking space and seeing how people are pushing forward on health. But then when I'm here, I feel healthier, right? I feel, I, I truly feel like I'm embodying the principles of health rather than just speaking about them. And I think part of that is, is slowing down and, and, it's, it's a weird shift, right? It's a very weird, weird shift in my head, at least, of I've always been thought that I, I need to have my checklist and do 100 different things in one day, right? Because then I'm productive and, I, and I'm a good citizen and I have done great, right? And yet, if you look at the greats, whoever the greats may be in your book, right? And it, perhaps they're somebody like a, you know, a, a Tim Ferriss or a, you know, any of these kind of the, the, the big um, executives, right? Um, oftentimes they're giving themselves space during the day. They're not overpacking themselves. They're not doing what all of us, what all of us are doing, right? 
they they are saying okay yeah from eight in the morning till 11 in the morning that's my time that's my time and that is scheduled so yes there is a schedule component to it but they are scheduling time to be bored they're scheduling time to let their brains just go they're scheduling time to be interrupted they're scheduling time to just go with the flow whatever that is in the morning when they wake up whereas many of us myself included we wake up in the morning and it's okay i gotta get answer those emails because that person's waiting on me and if i don't answer the emails then then that means that i'm a failure and they're gonna think that i'm not responsible or whatever the story is that we say to ourselves right and so i think if we're trying to find what are some of the other, you know, the, the hacks or the the tricks or the things that these blue zone folks do is that they give time for joy. They give time for boredom. They give time for 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 the brain to to be able to wander. Right? Einstein, for example, scheduled time to daydream. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, true. There's this whole model people have of themselves that I think is slowly coming back around and changing. Um, you reminded me you said something about Dominican Republic was, uh, I think, in 1992 or 94, somewhere around there, um, Italy uh, had wanted to split itself in half um, at like at Rome, so hmm. they wanted to, and it was this. It was all about time preference. So like the Northerners were like those southerners are lazy they just sit around all day they don't do anything they blah 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 blah, blah, blah you know and then the southerners were like those northerners not even real italians they're basically germans um you know uh, and they, they they just they don't know how to live life properly and their time orientation in their head in the north was more present and future oriented and in the south it was more present and past oriented mm. telling stories oh remember this oh there's got to be a compromise in in the center somewhere and i think that you know one of the reasons for that differentiation is in the south of places it's more agriculturally based economies mm-hmm. you work you can only do so much in the physical world you go do so much and then you get up to the industrialized places where you're working in the factory so you're working with machines so this output on this machine and this number per hour and that inhabits your mindset and how sure. you think about it and digitization can is partially doing the same thing. We're bringing the industrial idea into more productivity, hyper productivity. Got to get this many things done da, 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 with these new technology, which is allowing us to be more productive. But at the same time, we're also kind of opening up and seeing going back to the biology of it, the complexity, the dynamic system. Okay, these things interact, and maybe we're going to get back into who we really were instead of mechanizing ourselves. Mm. Um, and so there's got to be you know, a different, a mindset shift. And I know up yeah, in the U S we're very go, 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 go. I think they Can once it, did a sur- yeah, survey of Americans and they said, what would you do if you had an extra 24 hours? They said work. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, and, and, and it, like you said, it makes sense, right? If you're living in an environment, which right now we're in January and if I'm in Boston, that there's how many hours of sun? Like, what can I do? And if I have light, well, I'm just going to work because why not? What else am I, what are my options, right? I'm not going to, I'm not going to go outside and enjoy. Whereas here, there's so much sun and you can always be outside and you can always be hanging out, right? You can, you can literally enjoy a whole day of just 
going through going through the fields and seeing the different plants that are out here, right? And mm -hmm. and, and so it, it makes sense. Like I, I get it. And that to me means that the the way that we're gonna stop that is by having an understanding of that and being able to say no. Being able to say, no, I don't have to work 15 hours a day. No, I don't have to constantly be on this, on this go, 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 keep up with everybody, right? Because in reality, again, the people that tend to get the most out of life or, or, or tend to feel that time stands still, right, is when you aren't rushing. And I think that, why do people want to live so long? Besides the fact they want to run after your cyborg great-grandchild, um, right? It, it also is because you want to squeeze the most into this life. And, and in reality, when we, like, when, it, when do you feel like you have a lot of time? Usually, right? It's usually when you're on vacation. You're like, wow, I didn't, that's great. I just, I read a book for an hour. And it's still early in the morning. <laughs> I still have so much to do, right? And so it's it, it actually happens that we feel like time, time is this amorphous kind of uh, commodity that we think of, right? And and it can be longer when you when you are chatting with a good friend. Time goes really fast, or it goes really slow, depending on the friend, depending on the conversation, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I just I think that figuring out those boundaries and those barriers that you can put with others and with yourself, right? I, I woke up, I told myself yesterday, starting yesterday, there's a new habit that I've decided to put into place, right? Um, I'm working a lot with, with folks in California right now. They're four hours behind. And so I'm kind of burning the, the oil on both sides. I'm waking up at seven in the morning, I'm immediately up and going, and then I'm staying up until 12 o'clock at night, still working with them, right? So I've told myself and I told the team there, you know, no, this is not, this is not gonna happen because I'm already gonna be burnt out and I don't need any of that. Um, I, I need to practice what I preach. And I said to them, you start your day around, you start around 12. So until 12, I, I get to do whatever the hell I want. So in my case mm -hmm. now, I'm gonna be waking up, if it's six in the morning, seven in the morning, eight in the morning, whatever I wanna wake up, but I don't have that feel, I, don't, I no longer have that need and that feeling respond to emails immediately because I've already set those boundaries and I've told myself I want that more the morning time to be time to dance in the morning to meditate to do the things that that give me joy so that because I'm so full of joy and full of energy and creativity that when the day actually starts at 12 I'm going to be able to import that to others yeah I, I noticed there's this phrase that entered really, I mean, when women really entered the corporate workforce and mass in the uh, half, in the, you know, latter half of the uh, last century, and they use this phrase of work-life balance came up. Like y'all, y'all just looked at men and you were like, you guys are insane. <laughs> <laughs> like, you guys are nuts. Why are you overdoing it? This is your... You're going up on sky rises. You're dying. You're like, <laughs> this is like you're, you know, you're overly stressed. Like, what is wrong with you people? Um, and work-life balance is such a, a nebulous phrase. I don't know. It's it's one of those things, but I, you have to read into it a lot. Um, but I kind of get where y'all coming from. Um, and, <laughs> you and have to what's, include what's, your life. What's yeah. funny is that one, I don't really like the phrase, which is why I was like, my my, you don't see my, the screen, but my face yeah. was like, oh. Because I don't, 
the the idea is just there's no such thing as balance. There's no such thing yeah. as a balance when it comes to work and life because because one is always going to take over in one way, shape, or form. And so it's finding the that ebb and flow, right? It's it's yes, there's gonna be certain weeks that you have to get out something and you're gonna be psycho on work and you're gonna be obsessed. Fine. Then take a take a, a little bit of a break after, right? So it's it's the ebb and flow rather than the balance of like, okay, today I must be, you know, this many hours and this many hours. But I think what what you mentioned about the kind of women entering the workforce and trying to mimic men, it's actually it's 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 detrimental to us as women. Full stop. I used to work in the management um, consulting space, and it was you men are fantastic. You are so lucky, right? In the sense that you don't have our hormonal cadence, right? So you can work like a dog. You can just go at it and just go for it, right? You can eat the same foods. You can do the same workouts. You can fast for, for days. Like you guys are machines, right? In that way, because of your hormones. And we women, we are magical creatures in our own way because of our hormonal fluctuations, but we need to understand that we are not you guys. And therefore we need to have those fluctuations, right? A lot of times when I'm, when I'm talking to women who are executives, who are trying to, to kind of compete, if you will, in, in, with men, right? It's like, why are you trying to do that right now? You have other skills. When you are, when you are doing, you know, when you have your, your menstrual cycle, there are certain weeks that you are going to be more creative. There's going to be certain weeks where you are more detail-oriented. There are certain weeks when you are the person that the entire organization should be coming to for strategic advice. Because you're in that space, right? You're in that space of, I can't deal with the details right now because I'm about to bleed or, or I am bleeding, right? And I'm not thinking about that. So I'm kind of laying back. I'm, and because I'm literally, I'm not able to work because, because I've had, I'm having menstruation, for example. Yes, but what does that mean? You have time to daydream. You have time to calmly reevaluate the whole situation. So as, as you know, certain people will do a, um, a monthly review of their business, right? Different goals, different, different, that. I tell women, do your monthly review and time it with your cycle. Hmm. right that's good advice yeah yeah because you can also then as a woman you can time and say all right there's like right around ovulation i'm gonna be feeling amazing so give me all the podcasts give me all the presentation give me all the speakers that I'll, all the things where i have to go out and present maybe if i'm if i'm uh fundraising give me all the investors that week <laughs> let's go right because yeah. that's the week where literally my hormones are, 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 are supporting me in that, you know? So it's this beautiful thing where men, you guys are, are, are machines and we, and we women are more kind of the, you know, the fairies, if you will. <laughs> I don't know, whatever yeah. word you want to use. <laughs> well, even, even a lot of men though, we look at like the, the, you know, those like hyper achievers, 80 hours a week, um, guys who sit at the dinner table with their families and just chew their food thinking about work. Um, mm. And we think they're insane. Right. So, you know, <laughs> like most men, like, we'll, we'll go out, we'll be the machines, we'll be the workers, we'll go and do it, and we'll go for it. We can, we can chug along. Um, I don't know how much of that is in us, the hormonal, how much of that is expectations, of how much of that is, you know, because I know a lot, like a lot, there's a lot of men uh, nowadays who are just, des just desperate. 
just mm. get out of their life mm. and their style of like this constant plugging and way and doing the da little da. And so that's why I actually said that in the beginning when uh, um, on that part when I said, yeah, we're looking at you guys and being like, maybe they, they're onto something there. Sure. <laughs> A lot and, of us are. Yeah. And, and I think that the answer is both. I don't think yeah. it's either or. I think it's you guys are machines and you can do it, but should you? Right? Do you have to? Just because you can do something doesn't mean you have to, right? Yeah, that's Sa the same thing. Like, yeah. yeah, like just because I can pick up my heavy bag when there's a man around and he wants to pick up my bag for me and be a gentleman, should I be picking it up? No, go ahead, please pick up my bag. That is lovely <laughs> of you, right? And that's not be me being weak, or yeah. or you know, that's that's I, there's we have different skills, right? Yeah. And so, but I I, I think. You're right. It's probably also an element of, wait, I'm slogging in so many hours and this is, this is what I need to be supporting my family and I'm miserable, mm -hmm. right? Well, to that, I would ask, why are you miserable? Is it because, again, the story that you're telling yourself of I have to be doing this rather than I want to be doing this, is it that you aren't giving yourself boundaries to say, yeah, guys, I'll, I'll work, sure, but I need to spend time for me to go to a sauna, to work out, to be with my buddies and play basketball, to find healthy habits, to go in and decompress and whatever that is. Maybe it's going to a game, maybe it's, maybe it's reading a book, maybe it's playing an instrument, maybe it's doing something creative. I think that the, the element of health that people don't also think about is where is our creative outlet, mm -hmm. right? Creativity is so critical to our, to our experience as humans here. It is critical. We are creators. In a, in a woman, it's pretty obvious. She is a creator of life. She can be a creator of life. She can also be a creator of a family, of a home, of, a, of, a, of, a, of a, an environment, of a business, right? Women don't have to have children, but they have to be creators. Men as well. You guys are the creators as well in, the, in your own right, right? But I feel like what what has been what has been praised in society is if you have money if you have power if you go if you fly in first class right and that is a thing that maybe a lot of people are streaming for towards because that's what they have been told they have to stream towards and yet the thing that the blue zones do well is they don't care at all about that <laughs> mm -hmm. they put their value in society on are you a good person do, do you have good stories when we're sitting and having a dinner table? Are you fun? Did you try something new? Do you, you know, like there, there is a communal element of who, who are you as an individual and what are you, what is the goodness that's coming out of you and how can we praise that in you? Right? Like even here in this community, and I know we're going around in topics, but it's all connected. Right. But it, even in here in the community here, there are people that, you know, when you first see them, you're like, oh, my goodness. Well, I wouldn't hang out with them, right, because of whatever reason, right? Yeah. But the community here in Dominican Republic doesn't care what clothes you're wearing, whether you have a watch, what car you're driving, none of that. None of that. And it's beautiful because you're pulled out of the stories of who do I have to be in order for them to like me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, focusing on the person instead of what their person's wearing or, you know, particularly doing.
Yeah. And like, and what is the story of, you know, going back to the men that you were saying of like, oh, I'm working, I'm slogging. And why are you working and slogging? Is it because yeah. you think that your family has an expectation that you have five cars? Um, so a couple of reasons why men slog was multiple reasons. Um, yeah, there is the family expectation and the pressure from the family to perform and to do well and to provide. Um, you've put internal pressure because if you have children that you want them to have the best. Um, there's also the hyper competitive nature of other men. And, uh, it is, they, if you don't do it, some other dude will come right along and fucking do it and pick it up and take it away from you. And then you missed that opportunity. And now your kid can't do something that his kid can do. Mm -hmm. Um, so it'd be, yeah, there's, that's a few of them. But yeah, mm. there's we just feel like nope, we got to do it. And there's the whole uh, culture among men of suck it up, bucko, and just do it. Yeah, you know, stop yeah. complaining, put your head down. Don't. That's more important. Don't go. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. No, I, I I hear that. It's um, I hear that, and it and it is. It's pressure. It's right. It's a lot of weight on your guys' shoulders, and that sucks. And there's um, even again in this biohacking space, there's a lot of men who are starting to have these conversations. Um, there's one individual by the name of Mike Salemi. He's incredible and we should have him, you guys should have him on your podcast, um, who talks all about this, who talks about masculine toxicity, even amongst men, right? Mm -hmm. And this one-upped nature and, oh, you know, you cried, you're, you're not a man, right? Or you don't have this, you're not a man. And, and that, that dialogue, you know, just like women have when we, when we evaluate very quickly, we all judge each other. Does she have Botox? Does she have bigger boobs than I? Does she, is, she, is her nails yep. done? Is, uh, what's her makeup? Like instantaneously, it happens, right? Yeah. But how do we pull ourselves out of that? How do we start to have these conscious conversations to, to surround ourselves with good friends, people who don't give a crap about that, right? Yeah. And there was, I, I was sitting at, at a restaurant yesterday um, and there was a conversation that I overheard of three men. It was actually really beautiful to hear three men um, all probably in their forties. Um, one of them had already moved down here. He was from Canada and he was highlighting all of the benefits of moving down here and, and saying, you know, my, my kids are horseback riding. I could never have paid for that in Canada. My kids are, you know, we're, we're on the beach, we're drinking, we have this, we have this with this. Yes. There are things that I have to opt out. Right there are things that I'm nervous about. I'm nervous about my kids' education, but you know what? I know my kids are smart and I'm gonna, now I have to have to be a little bit more active in giving them books to read and things like that. He's like, but I have time now. I have time to focus on things, those things because I'm actually at home more, right? So I think a lot of this is, yeah, yes, I, I hear you, and I think that, that it's obviously there. These, these challenges yep. are there, but how do we reframe them? How do, yep. we, how do we see the, the rat race that we're in and then decide, yeah, I'm out, right? How do we, how do we choose to do that? And it may be, it's not gonna happen in a week, but it might happen in three months, six months, a year. Yeah, well, that's part of the blue zone thing too, right? You, you have your own culture, your own values, and you surround yourself with friends who share your values. And so you're putting yourself in these environments and it's like these people are not, like you said, mentioned at the very beginning of the podcast, like toxic people, just get them out of my life. Mm -hmm. And I think that happens as people get older generally. I always find the people who want the most friends are in their 20s. 
they like have they have have the most friends you've ever heard. Like I, I have like a hundred friends that I have, yeah. and you know, and I'm like, is that exhausting? Why would you have a, like how many followers do you? I have this many. I'm like, who cares? Like, right. you know, <laughs> there do you, was, how do you like all those people? No way. There was something that I was I was reading a while back. Um, some gentleman, probably in his seventies or something like that, and he was saying he only had twelve people in his life. 12 and that's it that was his list that sounds and, wonderful and if and if you were on the third if he got to the 13 he's like shoot okay i gotta cut somebody damn it i gotta cut somebody and the reason was because he he said you know my relationships if i have finite number of relationships then i can put more time into them right i can give them more energy i can i can it's just like a flower i can let it i can i can cultivate i can give it more more of my of 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 the goodness, right? Rather than split it out amongst a lot of people. Yeah, you can actually keep track of it. It was interesting. To, um, I don't know if you've ever read uh, Robin Dunbar's work. He's a social anthropologist. Um, he famous Dunbar's number. Oh yeah. Where yeah yeah. So one of the things he says when you are able to keep track of a certain number of people more fully in that way, like his number, it's it's a range of numbers. It's not one particular. Um, but it's interesting. It does. It also includes things like your houseplant, which you've had a relationship with or your dog or your cat or something like that it's not just other humans that's included in that number so yeah 12 people and then maybe three plants <laughs> and like a dog or no whatever however you want to parse it so i know you have to go here in a second but i wanted to ask you one last question so the elephant in the room of all of this is death so we're all coming here. We want to live more quality lives. Some people are coming. They want a magic elixir. Some people want this. But at the end of the day, we're all going to die. That's the one thing that's certain. It's a you know, consequence of being alive. Truth. So um, what's your take on death? You worried about it? How are you doing with it? You know, uh, How do you approach it? Uh, do you think about it much being in the biohacking space? Or um, what have you seen as the... Uh, thinking around death in, in, in that sector in general. Hmm. Uh, am I worried about it? No, not in the slightest. I don't know why. I'm just, to me, I don't see it. I don't see it as an end point. I really do see it as a, um, as a continuum um, of some sort. I think that um, I've had certain experiences, which this is getting kind of into the woo-woo, but um, that I can't explain from, from, past, from past ancestors. So is it people that I didn't even know? Right. Um, so in my mind, personally, is, is is bring it on. Right. I'm curious. I'm genuinely curious. Right. Um, uh, in terms of the biohacking space, most of the people there um, would fall into kind of the stoicism camp. Um, so thinking about thinking about death, actually thinking about it and saying, OK, time is finite. And so because time is finite, I need to think about death every single day. And so if today is my last day, what am I doing to make it amazing, right? If today is my last day, would I be spending an hour and a half chatting with you on a podcast, right? If, if, if tomorrow is my last day, what would I do today, right? Um, and so removing that fear of death is what I would say, what I've seen in the biohacking space a lot. The other camp within the biohacking space about death is, is because a lot of people do plant medicine, um, psychedelics, ayahuasca, mushrooms, and all of that, a lot of people 
kind of think about death as an energy, right? More on the energetic side of things. Um, you know, would I say that there's a lot of religious folks? Probably not. Um, you know, the typical religion, I would say, right? Uh, but a lot of people do do speak of the belief, a belief in something, a belief in something that's greater than themselves. And I think that's quite beautiful as well. Um, the once one, once we have a belief that is greater than us, oftentimes many of the things that we do tend to kind of solidify better, right? And shifting away from the idea of death and religion, um, if we, you know, as an example, if you start saying and identifying as a person who is healthy, right, which is a big, big idea, then all the little tiny things, ice bathing, IV, um, making sure you're eating well, making sure you're going to bed early, wearing blue blockers, doing all the things, right, all the biohacking things, no longer is it an annoyance of a habit, oh, I got to do that, oh, damn it, oh, I forgot, right? It's a component of your identity. It's a component of, I want to be a healthy person, therefore, I'm going to go do this, right? So I think, um, yeah, I get that. That would be my answer. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I, I always saw the biohacking camp split up into the, the, the people who want to transcend, mm. people who want to go above what they're nor nor normally people are doing, you know, by hacking into it, by being manipulated. Mm. And then the people who are, like you said, the stoic camp who are focused on the, their own finitude. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I think that's the perfect combo when they come together. Transcendence with finitude. Exactly. Too, much trans too much transcendence, you get hubris. Mm. Well too, much too much finitude, you don't do anything and you're paralyzed and you're grounded. Yeah, exactly. So, and I think yeah. it's, it's, it's exactly at least the way that I think about health. It's the mindset, right? Like, well, I can't do anything about it, but what can I do about it? Right, right. it's that, it's the idea of those three circles, control, um, what is it, if I can't control it, can I, shoot, I'm blanking right now. If I can't control it, can I influence it? If I can't influence it, can I accept it, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's the exact same thing. If, if, I can't, if I can't control death, which, I believe that I can't, right? Um, can I influence it? Well, not really. Oh, well, can I accept it? I can accept it, then there's so many things and it's positive things that I can do about it, right? Rather than just being fearful and 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 trying to push it off because I'm because I don't know what I'm what's what's coming on the other side, right? I think this element of not knowing things and still being curious about them is is a beautiful mindset to have. Okay. So, Dasha, could you tell us what you do in the biohacking space? What are you working on currently? Sure. Uh, so I run a company called Wealthco, Wealthco, W Health Co, because some people don't know, don't understand how to spell it or how it's, it, how it's said. But Wealthco stands for Women's Health Community. And it is, it used to be a bunch of different um, meetups around the globe. And after COVID, we ended up, Kind of shutting that down and now we run retreats for women biohacking retreats down here in the dominican republic and we're also going to be having a biohacking course that's coming out in march and the intention behind that course is to make biohacking simple and tangible and practical so you can actually do it in your life as a woman because what we found is that there's a lot of men in this space there's a lot of male influencers who are really pushing the envelope and they're doing amazing, amazing things. And 
the challenge is that they're not talking about it from a woman's perspective. And women's health is vastly different just because of our hormones. And so we should be doing things like fasting and ice bathing and breath work all very differently than you men. So the course is starting in March. So if, you, if anybody's listening and um, listens to this before March, then you can go to the website, www.whealth.community and sign up. Um, the course, what I love about it and kind of the, the idea behind this is that each week is taught by a new expert. Is taught by a new doctor or specialist in that area. So you're not hearing, you know, from me talking about everything and touching on all the topics. No, you're actually going to hear from Dr. Saida Desilets, who has been in the sexual health space for 20 years, right? That is all that she's been doing. She has a PhD in that area. And she has specifically looked at the, the vaginal microbiome. She's looked at central pleasure centers. She's looked at how women can, can really think about biohacking for sexual pleasure and sexual health, right? We've got Dr. Mindy Peltz talking about fasting for women. It's vastly different. You and I shouldn't be fasting the same way, right? You're a man, I'm a woman. I shouldn't be fasting in certain parts of my cycle. I shouldn't be fasting for so long, right? Um, we have, we have um, Dr. Jessica Petros talking about gut, gut detox because a lot of women will put a whole bunch of products on their, on their bodies, on in the shampoos, like all, the, all that stuff. Obviously that's, that's a toxin, all of those are toxins. And we as women, we need to detox, men as well, but women end up putting more and more stuff on our, our faces and touching more things that we need to detox from. So yeah, 15 experts. Um, and each week you actually get to hear from them and also have a live session of asking them any question that you may have. So it's for the whole month of March then? So it's 15 weeks. So it starts in March. Oh, yeah. So it's a semester of women's health is kind of what I'm saying. Oh, and people, okay. people have that same reaction. They're like, uh, wow, I don't have the time to do, to focus that much. And I knew that that was going to be the, the challenge. And so the time commitment per week is very, very, very minimal. It's two to three hours, right? So that's two to three podcasts effectively, but it's specific to a woman's health. Whereas a lot of these, these podcasts and things that people are, are listening and watching to are not specific, right? Um, so, so it's 15 weeks and each week you'll learn a new skill or a new, um, yeah, it's something new specific to your health as a woman and get access and our advice about products that could really work. Because there's a lot, like we mentioned kind of offline, there's a lot of products in this space who, which are, which are just snake oil salesmen <laughs> and a lot of things where if you haven't done the time to review what's, what's good, what's bad, you could get caught in, oh, well, you know, that's what this magazine told me to do, or that's what this person, and the marketing seems amazing, and there's a vast difference between how many milligrams of, you know, good mushrooms are in that packet of mushrooms, you know, that you're going to put into your coffee in the morning, right? Um, lion's mane, cordyceps, reishi, and stuff like that. So we've done the work for you of finding the right and good products that really are going to move the needle for, like, in health. Very cool. Yeah, I think that's very, very needed. Um, as you mentioned, like every time I've gone online to buy a space, I run across a ton of dudes, yep. um, which is great for me. <laughs> uh, 
Um, there's a ton of great men in the space. Um, and you know, maybe it's the algorithm pointing me towards the men, but, uh, yeah, uh, no, yes, we no. need more great women in the space. Yeah. I mean, historically it makes sense, right? A lot of, again, like we had mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, a lot of the space was the quantified self guys. Um, there's a lot of techie guys, right? And so it's, it's natural. It makes sense. And now is the time that the women need to, to realize that, that we are different. And, um, I was telling somebody the other day, I was like, you know what? Women are actually the original biohackers because we women have a test that comes every month or should come every month that's free that tells us whether we're doing something right or wrong. So we've been biohacking all this time, right? We know if we eat certain foods, our PMS is going to be worse. <laughs> we know if it's going to give us more energy or not. Like, so it's just, it's just tweaking the, the, mo the modern version of biohacking and what supplements and, and foods and exercises, right? There's are good for us as women. Like there's a certain part, a certain time in our month where we have a bigger breath capacity, a bigger lung capacity, right? Mm -hmm. So if you know that, you're gonna be like, okay, great. I'm gonna do my bigger workouts then. Nice. Is there an in-person component to this or is it purely virtual? Nope, the in-person is the retreat. So if you'd like to do the in-person, then come on down to the Dominican Republic and come hang out with me. Cool, that sounds great. Well, thanks, Dasha. Thank appreciate you. It. Yeah. Where can they find you? What's the, can you mention the website again or any socials? Sure. Um, so the website is www.whealth.community. So Wealth Co. stands for Women's Health Community. So whealth.community. And the Instagram is wealth.co. Whealth.co. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming. Ciao. Appreciate thanks it. again. Yeah. I agree. That's a great place to end it.